I think the world's losing it. It's really, it's really, it's really a shame. Hello and welcome to Clicked Off. Every week we'll be hearing from the people making it big in e-commerce. I'm your host, Jason Chappell. Today I've got with me Andrew Kemp from Candid Founders. You can find them on YouTube and he's also one half of Bear Kind, the bamboo sock company. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Jason, so good to be here, mate. We um, It was great to see you yesterday as well and you know put a face to the name and i guess a face to the podcast as well always good to see some i guess your idols in in the flesh <laughs> oh let's not go that far <laughs> i mean let's let's start we fortuitously just bumped into each other at an event yesterday and like one of the first questions you asked me is hey what's your shoe size i mean i, I was a little <laughs> bit like hang on a second this is this is very strange what, Excuse what's me. he what's he getting at here um, but jumps into your bag and pulls out the coolest pair of socks. I'm wearing them right now. Here, check it out. Oh yes, legend. They oh, I are love that. Well done. So comfy. They're unbelievably comfy. But like loads of people who know me, like know I'm either not a massive sock wearer, especially summertime, or I'm one of those like trainer sock people like invisible socks that hides in my shoe but these okay i'm i'm converting it surprises me jason because guys i walk into this awesome you know event and jason walks in i think that can't be him it can't be him i see this you know smart looking man dressed in all black with you know looking good but the socks what's happening with the socks i thought you could maybe be like an interesting sock guy but uh, alas, now you hey, are. Look, there's there's room to grow, right? But I've yeah, learned exactly. recently. I've learned recently that apparently trainer socks give some people the ick. The ick. Mm. Wow. That is. Yeah, you know, I've been in the sock game for a long time, and that's yeah, that's upsetting. We just bought out some new trainer socks as well. Yeah. Um, orangutans, hedgehogs, bumblebees, and I would say they slap. I would not say they give the the quote unquote ick. well my girlfriend disagrees like she's i mean i I haven't asked her i'm assuming she's cool with it she's hung around for Mm. a while so she's obviously okay but it tell me why why socks what brought you into into socks yeah so bear kind was started by lucy jeffrey my fiance and um we've been together for i guess close to six years now and um five years ago lucy started with straws actually um i don't know if you saw there was this maybe not a great advert, but a really sad advert um, or meme that was going around where turtles had a um, basically a straw in their throat and it was terrible. And I kind of remember sitting back thinking like, oh God, like, you know, that is a shocking scene. And Lucy actually decided to do something about it. So it went into metal straws. And so we started with, with that. And then we were always thinking, okay, we want to donate percentage of profits to the animal on the sock or the animal that we were kind of trying to save. And so we went through straws, t-shirts, bags, nothing really kind of took off. And then we actually just took a step back and thought, okay, what can we do that people are, you know, you can't really get secondhand. So you have to be really con- conscious about your consumption to begin with. And we thought socks, you're pretty much never going to buy um, secondhand socks. At least I don't know anyone that, that does. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that does, please tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and so that's where we started we decided to you know we had the the turtles as the initial idea so you know one design of turtles five designs with a bunch of different animals we just kept getting more requests and more requests and we naturally grew now to to 50 animals um that we're trying to save and working with a variety of different charities um we just think that all business should be done in a way where you know 10 percent of profits can be given to a good social cause that makes sense for for a business so for us that's animals we're, we're really passionate about them and we we want to try and save them so that's how we got to you know i guess socks and how we got to our business model as well okay and you mentioned in there you, you give away 10 percent of your profits right yeah to to these charitable causes how do you find them how do you decide which ones you want to support how does that work so we must have reviewed hundreds of charities now and the main thing for us is we want a great engagement with this charity partner someone who has you know an awesome kind of like uh you know impact that they're actually delivering currently where we can you know we know our money is going to go straight to that cause so a charity that comes to to mind would be sandcob which is in south africa they have a penguin uh colony which we've been donating to from the very beginning and they're awesome charity they're great to speak to they're clear with their you know communication requirements this is going to sound funny but they're easy to donate to you know we want to send money to these places and some some charities actually sadly one or two charities that we've worked with we've said okay we've got this um you know we want to give you a, a couple thousand pounds or, or whatever it is for your particular charity and they've not gotten back to us we need an invoice to pay you please where's your bank details nothing no. and so we've you know eventually get there but six months later so we donate to a charity called Sandcob, for example, and they're fantastic. They speak to us regularly. They work with us. They you know make it easy for us to make payments, for example. You know, I've got a charity that we've got you know hundreds of pounds that we want to send across to them, which we couldn't because they just wouldn't send us an invoice. They wouldn't send us their bank details, and they eventually got through after kind of three to six months. But you know we're trying to work and you know, really leverage our impact, and all of this time we're spending chasing. And that charity also, you know, we didn't think that they were doing you know the best work that it possibly could and actually another charity came in so um that's you know i guess it's important to, to make sure you've got the right charity partner um and just talking to them you'll get the right one um we really want to be very specific about a particular uh, animal project so for example our turtles we built a turtle hatchery last year which i'm really proud of and it looks amazing you know so happy that we could you know save literally hundreds of baby t baby turtles and it sounds fantastic you know buy these bamboo socks which save turtles and last year we, we made a turtle hatchery which is going to go off and you know populate the oceans with another couple hundred turtles amazing that is so cool do you find so all your socks are designed with an animal on the sock do you find that people are buying because they like the design and obviously they're going to be liking the cause but do you think the design drives the sale or the cause drives the sale like do they want to support a particular animal or do they just like hey i really like these the sloth socks shark socks whatever it is and go and go and choose those we have a end of checkout survey because we had this exact question like why are people buying our socks we have a you know a massive variety now across all of the different colors different types of designs some that will work for typically ladies some will, that will work for typically men they're all unisex and some of them sell out in different sizes but it's a straight 50 50 split you know color or design or animal and they just they go every single time even stevens 
And it's interesting when I speak to customers as well and I say to them, you know, face-to-face, oh, you know, what, what, what socks would you like? Um, and I actually did it to you, Jason, yesterday. I don't know if you realize, but I said, oh, you know, what socks did you like? And, you know, please check out the, check out the website. And um, I thought the, the sharks would be, would be great. But, you know, typically the response is something along the lines of like, oh, I like red. And you know what? My favorite animal is a gorilla. But even just that subtle, okay, you chose to say red first rather than gorilla. Mm-hmm. that's what we're kind of using to guide. And it seems to be uh, 50-50. I, I can't split it. Okay. And you guys don't just sell straight up D to C, do you? There's, I see quite a lot. Like I follow both you and, and Lucy on LinkedIn. Um, and I see quite a lot about like your wholesale journey um, and being in, in retail uh, and those sorts of things. What's the kind of makeup of your your business in terms of wholesale, retail, direct to consumer? Yeah, we're super transparent about this and we talk about it at length in our podcast. Oh, sorry, I should say on our YouTube channel, Candid Fanders, where we run through on a monthly basis our board pack. And so in our non-core periods, which is essentially Jan, and I'm ashamed to say all the way up to October, um, outside of Christmas, which is really November, December, where we get 60% of our revenue, it's a 50-50 split, D to C, and the wholesale business pretty much throughout the whole year so far. And it was last year outside of some 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 weird spikes. And then if I look into Christmas, November, December, it is the just an absolute whitewash. Retail dominates. 95.5 uh, in terms of retail to, to wholesale. And we're trying to really change our seasonality as a business as well because, as I mentioned, 60% of our revenue coming during November, December how can we try and change that up? So one of the big areas of focus we've gone into is wholesale. So we're now in 800 different retailers um, around the world. Most of them are in the UK. Um, we work with a variety of different you know, clothing boutiques, um, podiatrists, because our socks are quite you know, technically uh, savvy from a you know, sweat-wicking antimicrobial perspective. The weird things you learn being in the, in the sock world, I can assure <laughs> you that's probably the weirdest. Um, and then, you know, a variety of other kind of, you know, garden centers, uh, rewilding homes, that type of thing from a, a kind of like a zoo perspective as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really everywhere. But it, they're both very fun businesses as well. Like I look at the D2C side and it's a very different skill set. It's the performance marketing. It's making sure our brand messaging is really on point and, you know, selling, I guess, a, a, a bigger story. And on the wholesale side, it's a bit more commercial and a bit more, okay, what's the margin that I could potentially get? Does this work for my customers? Are they going to sell in my store? And am I going to keep selling them? And so I actually really enjoy the variety um, as well. So that'd be about 50-50 normally and then 95-5. Let's, let's touch on the, on the D2C side uh, to begin with. How big's the team these days? Currently, the team is four full-time people, including Lucy and I. Okay. And then we've got uh, two or three three uh, people who work for us part-time. Okay. How do you, first of all, manage? You you operate a work-from-anywhere approach to your business, which like, yeah. I'm a massive fan of. I think if you're employing adults, they understand that they have a job to do does it really matter where they are sitting? You don't need to be looking over their shoulder in an office to make sure that they're doing what they're doing. How do you make that work? And where are the team based? So team is based all around the world. Um, 
Lucy and I do six months in Australia, six months in the UK. Um, we've got someone who works from Italy a relatively large amount of time. I'm not sure exactly. Um, we've got a, another lady in Scotland. Um, and then the rest of the team is mostly in England. Um, and I think it's just about making sure we're all consistently have some type of lap over during the working day. So whether that's a you know a 9 a.m. for the team if they're in England and we're in Australia and that's kind of like last thing for us, as long as we've got some type of... Um, you know, synchronous time together where we can, you know, get into the nuts of uh, a problem and really delve down. But then there's also, like you mentioned, there's elements of um, maturity that I don't think a lot of businesses apply to their staff. And I think they view it very differently than, than perhaps we do. So, you know, if I'd be surprised if the team is working full-time all the time, but f- knowing from the work experience I've had previously, I'm more outputs driven so if you're delivering the outputs that we kind of need for the business across, you know, take one particular uh, lady that works for us, runs our emails, website, and SEO um, across all of the different channels and it's just consistently churning out work. Got no idea if she works nine to five, but the amount of work she does is just prodigious. Same thing with a lady who runs our charities, our YouTube, um, all of the design. Again, same thing. No idea if she works nine to five, but the output is prodigious and you can find some people that, you know, we had a, someone who joined the team and really took advantage of it and they just stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb. You could tell instantly they weren't pulling their weight. The team was upset with them and thankfully they um, ended up finding their own job themselves um, and, and, and moved on <laughs> quite quickly. It, it didn't work for them. Yeah, um, yeah. So just a bit of like, I guess, a bit of maturity, a bit of flexibility and I think you're okay and then the team, there's a lot of, I think work from anywhere is great, but sometimes getting face-to-face is so important and building a relationship with someone which you can do in an office all the time and you don't get if you're not in an office is is just as crucial. So we get together at least kind of once a quarter, probably more like once every two months to just actually hang out, socialize, that type of thing. We pay for it as a business and that's been like, yeah, a big change in the, I guess, morale and, and team as well. Nice. And how do you guys cope with ramping up to deliver 60% of your revenue throughout two months of the year? We're very lucky. We work with a great fulfillment um, warehouse called We Are Fulfillment. Um, they are awesome, relatively like similar size as us you know, in comparison to, to things in you know, business journey, a couple of years old, ran by kind of two seasoned founders that thought that they could do, uh, you know, third-party logistics and e-commerce better. And so, they, thank gosh, thank God we've got them, honestly. We were previously running, you know, all of our fulfillment ourselves and it was just mental and we'd be sitting there kind of all day packing. Then it was Lucy's mum doing all the, all the packing and then it went straight out to the 3PL. So, from an operation standpoint, we're super scalable and we're not in the country most of the year. So, we don't need to have... Uh, you know, boots on the ground, so to say. And then for us, it's all about prioritization. The whole team knows that all of our revenue comes during that time. So any email that we're doing now in August, for example, coming up, is just not going to generate any revenue. No one's sitting in their inbox. They're all in, you know, Corfu or something you know, exotic and, and fun and, and sunny and they're not spending any time on Instagram. So why would you bother building any ads for them at that time, especially for our product? And so it's just about, you know, downweighting the amount of time you're spending on the August months and saying, okay, great. In August, we're going to put that all into Christmas. Um, and then 
and there's always, of course, a little bit of panic, but we are <laughs> this year we're getting in uh, 40,000 more socks, um, which will be fun to make sure that they're all kind of like, you know, highest quality and yeah, you, you kind of get better at it each, each year, I think as well. Sure. And then let's talk about the wholesale side of things because um, this is something relatively new for you guys. Um, you know, you've dipped your toe in it. You've obviously had, you've had some success. I, you've inevitably had some some failures or some lessons, hard lessons that you've learned. Yeah, um, sure. Let's let's talk about that. We um we started with wholesalers almost eighteen months ago, I think, maybe a bit more. And we've now work, we're now working with 800 retailers across the world. And that's been mostly through the new marketplaces that are around, those e- B2B e-commerce marketplaces such as Fair, Anchor Store, the like. And we've been super lucky to be able to expand through them um, and, and grow with them at the time. So I think we're now one of the largest stock brands um, on from a B2B e-commerce perspective on one of these larger platforms. Um, and we've just gone all in uh, as much as we possibly can. We're launching new products all the time um, with them. We're making sure everything's kind of like optimized as much as you possibly could. And then basically taking that, you know, e-commerce has been around for what, 20 plus years and taking all of the learnings from that and just applying it to B2B. Whereas we see a lot of B2B people that are coming in without that e-commerce experience and maybe they're a sales team and they're just kind of applying it fresh themselves. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to take all of our learnings from being an e-commerce business first and then whacking that into the wholesale side. Um, but we've also had some shockers as well. Like I still cannot believe it in this day and age, Customs is allowed to work on pen and paper. It's a travesty. No, is it really? It's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, not in all places, but there are some places where, you know, you get, oh, sorry, this form's missing. And you just think, God, what? how can anyone get any product into this country? One example that really grinds my gears is Sweden. For whatever reason, they we can't send socks there. We've tried all types of different carriers. We've, whether that's wholesale, retail. My cousin lives there at the moment. I sent her a little package with some socks in it for her daughter. Um, and I just thought, God, like, and even that's not getting through. It's a, it's unbelievable. So there are still some shockers out there, but thankfully not too bad. You know, sometimes you get broken boxes or what have you, but you just got to bite the bullet. I think we once had a, a hundred socks get sent to Switzerland and they arrived just battered and bruised. <laughs> Honestly, someone must have used that box as a football and just had a good time with it because <laughs> I, it did not look anything like anything we've sent before. And so, you know, lady, the lady gave me a call up and just said, this is how you treat your customers? Was, of course not. And she sent across the photo, instantly FedExed her, you know, replacement package, um, asked her if she could send us the socks back and did a bit of an investigation. We couldn't find anything, but, you know, I guess a, a package being used as a football is atrocious, but, you know, thankfully it wasn't anyone in my team. Do you know what? No, it, nothing surprises me anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, my heart goes out a little bit to some of the like delivery guys and everything else because gone are the days where they could do a few deliveries and they were finished. Like they are, <laughs> like I have Amazon arriving at my door at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and these guys are still going. They have vans full. Like, I had three prime vans down my street just the other day and I'm like, what seriously the? you couldn't get that all on the same route but they were obviously so full yeah you know with with product 
that you know anybody who's in logistics right now i think is is really earning their money absolutely a great business to be in like i i know we are fulfillment the 3pl that we use i mentioned before they're growing like crazy they've just done another seed round demand coming out of their ears gone into another factory um and you know they take a a, a healthy percentage of our revenue um but a fair one that we get a great service off the back of it they do picking packing storage um and and postage and it just works like god i'd hate if it didn't sticking to the wholesale side of things you are now 18 months in You've, you're taking these learnings and you are starting a, a wholesale wholesale course wholesale yeah talk to me about this because i i think there's so many merchants out there who have probably had some success d to c and then are thinking okay how do we how do we open a door to you know increased volume but yeah. wholesale is a terrifying step forwards um Talk to me about about the course, where people can find it. Yeah, so on Wholesale Autopilot, which is our new B two B e commerce course, we basically came across it because we have worked with maybe I want to say close to fifty, if not sixty plus small businesses, aspiring entrepreneurs that just really don't know where to start, or if they have started, have had a really good crack at it, but aren't getting anywhere. And we were really lucky that we started when we did and we took the kind of, we had that insight to apply the B2B, um, you know, e-commerce learnings that we have from e-commerce and really have a crack at that. So we've built out now seven modules. We must be plus, you know, 25, 30 plus hours of, of videos going through all of the different sections, whether that's, you know, emails, SEO, product photography, competitor research, anything that we see as the really big unlocks for us. Um, we want to give that out to other small businesses and aspiring entrepreneurs as, as much as we can. And so we thought, well, we keep getting a lot of people coming to us. We're doing these kind of hour-long calls. We walk them through hand by hand, but it's just really not scalable. And we get emails that we just sit there and we think, gosh, like I've, you know, we've got to do something for these people. And so that's what we did. Um, we started this course and it's actually coming out in the next two weeks, uh, 24th of July, depending on when this is released, it will be out. Um, we are super hopeful that we can help as many businesses get as you know as see as much success as, as we have. We're over a you know a thousand plus orders now. Um, must be close to two thousand across the different platforms, and we've got you know eight hundred retailers in the course of eighteen months. It's unheard of. You know when you look at a actually that's probably not fair. It probably is heard of. There are some other brands out there that have done that. Um, we've not worked. We've not seen many others. Um, and we, you know, if there are any, we'd love to love to chat to them and see what see what they're doing right. Um, but we just think that you know people can do better here. And you know, I think the biggest like key takeaways for me would be to improve your wholesale business. Would just be one: make sure your emails are on point and you're going out to new customers. Two: make sure you're looking at your product descriptions and product SEO is just absolutely huge in this space. And then three, you've got to have your customer service and optimize it like that, optimize it just to the absolute nth degree, whether that's your reviews, your messaging, your post-purchase flows, just down pat. And if you do those three things, you're going to go super well. Um, and if you want to find a bit more detail, yeah, wholesaleautopilot.com um, and check out our course. Yeah. Nice. Now, you had a bit of a win uh, a little while ago with some 
unconventional advertising for people in the D2C space, like especially e-commerce. You went out to radio, right? Yeah, I know. When everyone else is zigging, you got a zag, right? And we got really lucky. Um, we were just kind of sitting there, radios on in the background, and everyone, ROAS is just being killed across the board, right? No matter what platforms you're on, it is just a, this nice little glide path down to zero. And that's just not going to work for performance marketing on e-commerce. So we just said, okay, rip up the rule book. Let's start again. What would we do five years ago? And we just thought why don't we give radio, TV or something like that a shot and just go for a massive awareness campaign. Worst comes to worst, it doesn't work, but it's an experiment and we do an experiment on you know, a trackable channel like a performance marketing with Facebook or Google, but we're not willing to try that with radio. Why not? So we gave it a crack. Um, we worked with uh, you know, I guess a, a radio provider called Global who got us in a variety of different um, channels. You would, have, you would have heard of them, Capital, etc. And yeah we went okay we thought is this a it's a very visual product right is this going to work and we worked with this fantastic liverpudlian i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right but uh, voice... <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go with that we'll go with it <laughs> we'll go with that um voice actor who smashed it R- really clear you got a bit of intrigue excitement there was the animals in the background produced to such a high quality and it drove a tremendous amount of business um I can't say how much it cost, but it wasn't cheap, as you can imagine, but we saw so much results and we were able to drive, yeah, you know, 60% of revenue in that you know, Christmas, in that Christmas time. So how, how did you measure those results? Just check out survey. Um, where okay. did you hear from us? Why did you purchase from us? And that came back 95% with radio and then the normal suspects, Facebook, Google, where everywhere else it would be like oh i was on facebook or something to that effect and i clicked through or you know my friend had it but it was just a a deluge um and it was interesting as well to watch as the radio came on at a relatively consistent amount of ad time per day but you just watched it build up step by step and you know how there's that saying that you know you, you need to have people see your ad or hear your ad whatever that is four, five, six times before they do anything. This must have been the epitome of it. I'd love to you know, share the exact numbers, but it was just this nice little curve that was just crescendoing as over the course of one, two, three weeks, it, the, the campaign got real legs behind it and everyone just must have been sitting in their cars thinking, gosh, Bear Kind again, the Bamboo Sock Company. I gotta, I gotta check this out, and it's just ringing in the back of their head as they hear this, you know, orangutan and giraffe and, you know, elephant in the background. Oh, there are some of those, there are some of those ads, right, where you just sing along to them, and then yeah. it's only after that it's like stuck in the back of your mind, you think, what even is this? Yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, I know the product because I know the the advert on the radio. It's just got in there somehow. It's crazy. Um, but I think those... My kids make me turn the radio off in oh, the car. Oh, no. Because they're like, yeah, they're, I don't like listening to this. They're like, can we listen to a storybook instead? I'm like, oh, do we have to? Like, I can't even listen to the things that I yeah. want to listen to because there's not many radio edits. No, of them. I can't imagine. <laughs> no, we had... Um, 
in Australia, we had this great jingle and it was for um, a breakdown service called Lubemobile. And it was, Lubemobile will come for you. That's 133032. That ad hasn't been on for 15 years and I still remember it. How do I know that? 133032, <laughs> the Australian <laughs> breakdown service of Lubemobile. Ridiculous. Imagine living off those dividends. Pick up that brand. Gosh. Yeah, whoever did that didn't charge enough. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's let's talk about a fail that, that you might have had. And I think a few a few merchants might relate to this one. Yeah. Um this is about stock management, right? Yeah, we were talking about it yesterday. Oh, what a what a self owned. So terrible. We've um, obviously, yeah, e-commerce business, we are heavily dependent on our stock availability. If we're understocked, obviously, we're not going to get the sales that we wanted and we're, we're missing out. If we're overstocked, then we've just got all of this cash sitting in you know, on the balance sheet that is on stock and, and not available for us to try and do something else with. So um, we were, Lucy and I, you know, both financiers that have worked in banking and then transitioned across to work on retail and... So we don't really have all these kind of you know, safety mechanisms and review processes that I imagine a retailer, actually, I don't imagine speaking to our professional merchandisers now sit there and think, oh my gosh, why did you make that decision? And um, we basically got to the point where we essentially over-ordered on our past order um, with a restock and we didn't really get into what I would describe as like a mature uh you know, ordering rhythm. What are we doing in terms of restocking our best sellers? What are we doing with cutting those products and, you know, animals that, that aren't selling as well, which was a bit harder for us, obviously with the charity angle, uh, but maybe how do we reinvent those ones so that we can continue donating to a charity, but do it in a way that um, is going to work for customers, you know, looking at, I guess, to that question around like, do designs or colors work? Sometimes a color just doesn't work. So we had pink pugs, for example, we think that pugs are a great animal, um, you know, that people would really like us. We don't actually support pugs because of the the, actual, the amount of, you know, uh, genetic, essentially genetic abuse that those animals have gone through to get them to have those short stubby noses. They, they're cute, don't get me wrong, but we don't think that's the best use of um, people having pets. But we kind of got to the point where we now got, you know, close to a, a hundred grand in stock and our core period is, what, three months away? So why would we do that? And then we've got new stocks coming, new stocks coming in in the next couple of months as well. On top of that, so we've got we're super restocked. We've got heaps of stocks. So we're just way too overstocked. Um, and off the back of that, we put out a couple of you know questions to to LinkedIn and just wanted to c- connect with a few uh, merchandisers. We're now working with a great merchandiser uh, called Mary Thomas Merchandiser, and she's got her own small business where she helps aspiring brands like us and. She's just kind of putting in place those those guardrails to stop us from just obliterating and having ridiculous amounts of stock. So, yeah, pity. But I I think this is this is a problem that faces like retailers the world over, and you know you start digging into things like the stock side of things, then that cash conversion cycle, and how much it can actually really hamper your ability to grow because when that money is sitting there in stock you can't use it for 
acquisition or you know any any kind of advertising anything to drive sales it's just there um i mean it's great if you're then going to shift all of that at a decent margin but all that time that that it's it's sitting in a warehouse you know is is not helping anybody's business but i don't think that that's limited to small businesses like i've worked with some some pretty big brands and they have the same issues you know just different scale and i mean they they lean on their manufacturers a little bit more and push them for different terms and so they they have that lever that they can pull that that smaller brands can't because you're not going to get the same payment terms you can't dictate to a to a manufacturer payment terms like nike or somebody would do yeah so you're in a different position but it's how you know how can you how can you leverage that how can you be smart about about what you do um let's talk about manufacturing how did you find how did you find your manufacturer so google funnily enough you know best bamboo sock manufacturer we looked all around the world um variety of different areas make socks and i guess textiles in general um and turkey is a really great place um there were a couple of you know other sock brands which kind of got started there in the past 10 15 years um that kind of really grew that industry so turkey is a great place if you want a really high quality low moq um place for for socks and so we reached out we reviewed a variety of different people we wanted to speak to them see how good their communication was what were the terms they were offering um we didn't go with the cheapest we went with i guess close to one of the cheapest um but they were a third generation family factory all of the certifications we were looking for um you know were comfortable and willing to put their name behind you know being certified and kind of giving us that supply chain transparency of like okay this is all of the threads the dyes everything um that we could be comfortable with the product and so whenever i'm talking to someone i always say like guys okay price is great but you also need to work out what your moqs what your delivery dates and what's your quality and across those four different areas if you can get you know you're not always going to be able to get them super right you might be able to pick up you know the cheapest pair of socks in the world but they're not going to be great quality or they're going to take ages to deliver and you need to order a million of them and so just kind of breaking it down into those four different metrics is a really helpful way to think about approaching um, our current socks. So had a chat with them. We've seen them a couple of times now. Um, we're going back in uh, August to go see the factory, look at all of the socks that they've got coming in. Um, and this time we actually also want to speak to them about our manufacturer doing some designs as well. All of our designs are currently done um, you know, in the UK and they're great and we, we really like them, but we'd also like to support um, you know factories by expanding out you know their supply chain. So not just creating all the time, but actually turning around to say, I actually think these designs could be fantastic um, and kind of upskilling that factory. And so hopefully that works as well. Nice. Now, I see on LinkedIn recently that you guys have just got involved with Theopathetus's SBS. What is it? Small Business Saturday, Small Business yeah. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. uh, what's the deal? What's the deal with this? Yeah, obviously, Theopathetis is a a lion in the UK um, industry. For those that don't know, I guess your overseas audience, Theopathetis is on the Dragon's Den or the Shark Tank equivalent uh, in the UK and has been on there. I think from the beginning, right? 
Um, I think he was on there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think he's recently taken a bit of a step back. Um, and we, yeah, he, he goes out every, I think it's Saturday or Sunday, goes, goes out on Twitter and um, asks small businesses to pitch to him. And his kind of team then chooses uh, a couple of the shortlist and he then chooses the ones that he actually likes. So I can't tell you how many uh, weekends we sat there just kind of tweeting away, pitching ourselves again. And um, yeah, we've gone to a few of their conferences and industry conferences and lucy is incredibly fast a bit of a side note but lucy's got the reactions of just a fox or something something quick and she's just bang 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 going all around the um the kind of the games there and she's actually won as a soda stream and this massive arts and craft like sewing machine um which we had can we talk about the soda stream because oh yeah here we go soda stream was something i grew up with okay right and it was like it was back in the like early 90s and you have that really nice kind of yellow beige plastic yeah con- i don't know even what it is like a stand yeah where you'd put the cartridge in the back yeah. like the the co2 cartridge in the back which you would then go and once it was dead you'd go and buy a new one from the supermarket but you trade in your old one yeah you know like a like a barbecue gas tank kind of thing yeah and You'd make carbonated drinks at home with syrups and whatever else. And it was fun for 10 minutes and then you'd put it in the cupboard and I thought SodaStream had died, but apparently not. No, they are alive and thriving, or at least the uh, <laughs> as, as great gifts for B2B <laughs> business development um, from Theopathetus's companies. Um, but we, we sadly just use it for... Uh, sparkling water at the moment. <laughs> um, a bit <laughs> fancy. I actually refuse to drink anything but sparkling water. Um, and so yeah, we're gonna we get a couple of syrups. I think are on their way via Amazon. Um, but really excitingly, uh, they've also just announced that we are really lucky to have received a um, a spot at one of their trade shows, um, which is in February. I think it is February the fourth to the sixth, and we yeah it's a, a few thousand pounds this worth is at the nec nec in birmingham right bingo yeah it's which is huge and it's one of the biggest trade shows in the country and we've got you know a massive stand there now which is unbelievable we've never had a chance to pitch um you know retailers face to face um but what a what a result we've paid nothing for this we've just kind of been lucky enough to you know pitch theo and win a couple of things off the back of it and um yeah, what what an incredible guy. He doesn't need to do this, but yet he does. So, yeah, big shout out to the SBS crew. Hey, I think he's probably got enough cash in the bank yeah, that maybe. he can he he can afford to uh you know, spend a bit of time doing something. But equally there's more. heaps of people with, you know, heaps of cash in oh, the bank yeah. and they're just sat out there on their yachts and this guy's just, you know, still grinding 20, 30, 40 years on helping other small businesses and not pulling the ladder up behind him like that. Massive respect to to that guy. I love that. Do you know what? I read his book some time ago. He probably has multiple books now, but yeah. I read his book several times over, um, because it was just fascinating. It was a really interesting read, you know. And he's he's trying to do it with his wife supporting him, and then a young family, and yeah. you know, he talks about coming close to the edge a few times, you know, in terms of, of pulling the plug on the business, um, you know, and that, that side of things. 
has that ever happened to you have you ever kind of sat there you and lucy and thought oh god what are we doing why are we doing this absolutely not as much recently but at the beginning actually right before we kind of had our biggest really biggest uptick was during covid we'd shut the business down um lucy made the decision like look okay we can't send lucy's mum off to go packages when the entire country is just locked down just yeah we can't send her off to the post office and you know hope that she doesn't get covid so shut the business down um and then lockdown started to ease up and we were like all right well let's just get one of the bounce back loans uh, one of the covid loans here in the uk take them out and we'll just whack it all on ads whack it on red and see if it sells and boy did it sell my god but that point we were actually made the decision to close the business down we're going to take a loan sell all the stock whatever's remaining we'll pay off ourselves and we'll try something new um and that happens you know for the first three years quite regularly because it's so hard but the number one thing that i don't think a lot of people understand if they're not working for themselves is that the lego brick that they put down yesterday which was an email out to a client, which was a new website page, it stays there every single time and it's just building up piece by piece, brick by brick. And so even though you might not have done anything yesterday and it was a terrible day and you wanted to quit, well, you actually kind of, you did one thing compared to normally you do 10 things, but that one thing was still there and it just rolls and rolls. So that's kind of like quite nice. And I think we're at this position now where I look back on the body of work and I don't think, oh, rip it up, start again. I think, wow, actually, we've done a lot. I can't walk away now, can I? No. Yeah. How do you manage the stress of, of it all? And, uh, you know, it's not just it's not just you, you know, you and Lucy are both in it. Your your household income is reliant on on one one business. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's actually, for, I guess for us, I've, I've got a particular view on entrepreneurship and the privilege that I think entrepreneurship is actually. Um, I started, you know, I came to the UK for an opportunity to work for a great company in finance and I ended up working at HSBC, one of the largest banks in the world. And I left there, I think for my age, with enough money to really not have to worry about working for a long period of time. And I honestly believe that I wouldn't be here. I don't think Lucy would be here if it wasn't for that. We've got the ability to, you know, weather the storm in our business and we're not paying ourselves much at all. I can guarantee you that, um, you know, from bare kind, we're just trying to build something bigger bit by bit. And that takes time. And that's a privilege that, you know, Lucy and I earned after working in finance for a long period of time. And I see a lot of other entrepreneurs that have started at, you know, 20 or so, but have had this ginormous advantage where their parents have supported them. Um, maybe they lived at home for a long period of time. They didn't pay any rent. They actually had no expenses. Worst comes to worse, they are, you know, going to go back and do a master's degree or something and then start again. And mm -hmm. I think entrepreneurship is a massive privilege that people don't talk about. It's all well and good that if you can like, you know, home feed yourself without having to worry about the business. But if you can't do that, then you're totally stuffed. I actually don't even think you should go into entrepreneurship. I think you should get that um, safety net behind you so that you're going to go through all of these trials and tribulations. And then you don't have the anxiety of like, oh, shivers can I actually put the heating on tonight. Um, 
So I'm a huge believer that if, you know, you don't have that kind of support, which, you know, I didn't have the ability to ask my parents. I was uh, you know, 20 hours away and I was too anxious to, you know, want to do anything but succeed on my own. And yeah, I think now I'm in a, a privileged place. So that's kind of how I do it. I feel like every day is just an absolute win. I get to do whatever I want every day. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. More times than not, it does. And yeah. I also think there's like, <laughs> I also think there's an underappreciated value of anxiety. And for me, I had this, like I've gone through like a variety of different views on anxiety and like, you know, I guess dealing with it myself. I've had, I guess like the really, you know, the crippling stuff, but then I've also had this anxiety throughout my entire life of a need to achieve and to go on a journey. And I'm always the happiest throughout my entire time, not when I've achieved the goal, but when I'm working on the goal. And I've got this kind of striving, this thing where I feel like I'm, you know, I need to do better and do more. And that's when I feel the best. That's when I'm, you know, achieving something, moving something forward, helping people. And I think people don't talk about that enough. There is some value of like the human emotion spectrum. You can't have no anxiety all the time. Um, Do you know what? I, I was reading something a little while ago where people were saying that Feeling your emotions is normal. We are conditioned by society that we think we have to be happy all the time. Our lives have to look a certain way. They have to be like Instagram ready and we have to be happy. Actually, no, there's value in being sad, angry, upset, anxious, because that then drives you into something else. And it tells you, tells your body that when you're happy, you're happy, you know, that this is okay. Yeah. If you don't have them, how do you know? You know, if it, if you don't have times that you are upset or angry, well, how, how do you know when you're happy? And I think we all have this preconceived idea that I will be happy when. Yeah. And actually most people are happy doing something that the journey's actually way better than the destination. You know, you get to that goal, you reach that goal. What do we all do? We celebrate for a minute and then we go, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Mm. So I, I, I don't know, like, and it's something that I have to keep, keep telling myself that, you know, happiness is a journey, right? Yeah. Going deep into like mental health podcast now. I'm loving yeah. it. No, I think like also there's something to be said about um, just doing something that's never going to end. So for us, it's more impact to save more animals. That will never end. I can't achieve that, but Mm -hmm. I can always do more on it. And so I'm just constantly doing, whereas previously it was like, get a promotion, get that particular job, get this grade or what have you. And now it's just, yeah, more. That's cool. Do I enjoy more? Yep. Love it keep going sounds great and you know i love the saying don't yuck someone's yum like that's my yum like i love it don't don't yuck <laughs> that it. is so yeah. good like, i'm gonna i'm gonna take that yeah don't yuck my yum i love working do what do if you don't that's cool but don't yuck my yum yeah oh i love it i love it so look what uh what's coming up next for you andrew 
personally and and professionally what's uh what's next on the journey lucy and i are getting married um which is exciting congratulations i'm surprised you said yes <laughs> when are you, when are you getting married we don't know we need to work that out <laughs> um and we're thinking something that this coming summer or summer after um in the uk and uh, we'll probably we'll do a wedding as well in um australia we don't want to do a traditional one um i'm too over the i guess the the controversy around churches and that type of stuff so we just want to do a sports day we're going to play poker in the night we're going to do a barbecue we're going to it's going to be at a big place somewhere in the country and we'll get everyone together and just hang out and yeah we'll sign some documents and that will be it um so that's gonna be awesome buzzing for that and then we're also going to be going i guess on a business perspective we've got christmas coming up we've got the wholesale autopilot launching in the next couple of weeks um and we're just getting started we are loving working for ourselves there's so much opportunity out there to you know help small businesses help customers help you know save animals and we just hope that people see the world like we do and they want to you know take our socks and use them to save animals and if that works for one or two people then yeah i'll be happy awesome well look thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure having you and i could have talked all day no thanks jason see you soon courtesy of the team at bearkind you can get 10 percent off your order over 25 pounds by using the discount code clicked off 10 that's c-l-i-c-k-e-d-o-f-f 10